Enchanté. You are listening to the What the Fab podcast, where empowered women empower women through candid conversations, inspiring stories, and tangible tips. I'm your host, Elise Armitage. I'm a digital creator, and I left my nine to five job at Google to chase my dreams of being an entrepreneur. I'm so happy to have you here. Let's get into some real talk. Well, hello, and welcome back to the What the Fab podcast. We're on episode number 34, and it is a juicy one. You probably got pulled in by the title and are wondering if I really am spilling my guts on my podcast about my 2021 revenue report. And the answer is yes, we are going to get into it today. We are going to chat about all the ins and outs of my financial reporting from 2021, how much money my business brought in 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 the year, how much I spent in expenses, lessons learned, shifts in my business, in my team, and how that's setting me up for 2022. Before we dive into all of that goodness, I do want to take a second to let you know that we're doing these podcasts weekly, y'all. We are on a schedule. It is happening. Go ahead and hit subscribe through whatever platform it is that you listen on. So that way you will just get these episodes queued up weekly, ready for you to go on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever it is that you listen through. So go ahead, hit that subscribe button. I'll wait. Did you do it? All right, let's dive in. So why am I sharing this income report today and diving into the finances of my business? I have spoken about this before, but I just feel really passionate about getting other women to feel more comfortable with talking about money, to be transparent about it, to feel confident speaking about it, to not feel like it's this weird, gross thing or like it's embarrassing or to feel shy about it. You might be thinking like, well, that's a stereotype, but I can think of so many examples in my life, in my business where women and just like they beat around the bush. They don't want to share hard numbers. They don't want to talk about hard numbers, even if it's an appropriate thing to do in that discussion. I mean, you've seen the studies, you know that men are more likely to ask for a raise. And so they're more likely to make more money. You have to advocate for yourself, which reminds me of another important story I want to share. When I was working at my very first job out of grad school, I was so fresh and so green. And I was at a boutique communications agency in San Francisco. The company size was around like 15 to 20 people during my time there. And so I worked really closely with the CEO who was a very, very smart woman. At one point we were having a conversation, you know, I learned a lot from her, like how to be a young professional and just lots of career advice that I gained from that experience. So we're having this conversation and it was during a time when the company was hiring some new people. And she was like, you know, when we make an offer, we always make an offer that is a little less than what we could potentially pay than what we are able to pay. And I do that because I don't want the candidate to counter offer and ask for a little more and we have no wiggle room. But what I'm finding is that women never ask for more and men always ask for more. And I was like, fuck, I accepted the first offer. (laughs) I should have asked for more. So ladies, please let that be a lesson. There is always a little bit of wiggle room there. So don't be afraid to ask for it. And the other thing that I've realized being in shifting into the influencer marketing industry is that you don't know what you don't know. The way that I have realized that I was undercharging, that I could charge more for certain things was through talking to some of my really close girlfriends that we have formed this relationship where we're really comfortable and supportive of each other. We trust each other and we share these hard numbers with each other. And here's an example of where quality over quantity is just so much more impactful. I would say that I only really have like three blogger friends like this in the Bay Area that we trust each other to talk about the hard numbers. We know that like everyone is 100% in support of everyone in the group getting that coin, secure the bag, sis. I also would say that the girls in Babes That Wander, our diverse travel blogger group, like we're very open with sharing that kind of information as well. And you know, it's not a ton of people. Like I can count it on both hands, the people that I share these ins and outs of my business with. And now you're about to be one of them 
because I'm just like putting it all out there. But my point is from having conversations with other bloggers, it's helped me realize over the years like, oh shit, I'm charging half of that rate. They're getting double my rate for the same work and I have more followers. So obviously I can charge more and it's just helped me to increase my rates and make more money. And I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't spoken with other female friends in my industry about that. I'm a firm believer that rising tides raise all ships. We did some of the girls from Babes That Wander did a podcast episode last year where we shared a lot of tips and tricks for negotiating. So I would definitely go back and listen to that episode. If you're in this industry or in creative industry where you're having to negotiate for your work, it's episode number 12. There's some really good nuggets in there. And even if you're not self-employed, if you work at a corporation or a small agency and you have someone that you're friends with that you can feel comfortable talking about hard numbers with, like think how much more confidence it would give you if you know that your friend sitting to the right of you asked for, negotiated, and got a $10,000 raise this year. You're absolutely going to have the balls to do that if you know it's already been done. But again, if you aren't talking about these things, then how would you know? And I'm just going to share one more kind of example that happened to me last year that really got me thinking about this. Like why are women so uncomfortable talking about money, even in instances where you're supposed to talk about money? So for example, last year I got a brand campaign that I was really excited about and we hopped on the phone. So it was me and the brand, someone representing the brand. And we were talking about the deliverables and timeline and concept and all that. And then, you know, we hadn't broached the subject of money yet. So towards the end of the call, if the brand hasn't brought it up yet, that's when I usually do because I don't work for free. And before I could bring it up, the woman from the brand was like, um, yeah, so now is kind of like that awkward part that everyone hates to talk about. That's money. We'll try to do what we can with our budget, but like, what did you have in mind? And you know, you don't have to tell me right now over the phone. You can also email me if that's more comfortable. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) this is literally the part where we talk about money and it's okay. We're supposed to talk about money. We negotiate, we find something that works for both sides. And if not, then we go our separate ways. But like, I was like, no, I'm totally fine talking about it over the phone. And like, here's how much I would charge for these deliverables. Does that work for you? And she was like, yep, that works. And it was just like, girlfriend, there's no need to beat around the bush and be weird about it. Like money should not be this taboo topic for us. So part of the reason why I am sharing my 2021 revenue report for my business is because number one, I want to lead by example. While you might not, I'm not saying that you have to like spill the tea on all the money that you make and your income streams or your annual salary and like post it on your social media. But if I can do that, literally I am doing that right now, then you absolutely can find somebody in your industry that you work with, that you're close with, that you can have this type of conversation with and like help each other out. We can do hard things. You can do this. The other reason that I am so passionate about trying to find ways to help women make more money is because when women make more money, they have more power. They have more choices. Studies have shown that when women make more money, they invest more in their communities. So whether that's donating to causes they care about or through their own work that they're doing. And I just think that's a really powerful thing. We should be running the world, y'all, but that's a different podcast episode. So that's why I'm getting into it today and sharing my revenue numbers. I also want to give a shout out because I was inspired by a friend of mine to do this. Her name is Ellen Yin. She runs Cubicle to CEO. She is an amazing online entrepreneur in the space and she does her profit business reports quarterly. I just think that's awesome. And I was chatting with some gals recently from a really cool podcast, Sarah and Annette from Thank You for Visiting. They have a super cool podcast in business. Their resources are all about helping entrepreneurs, budding entrepreneurs that are in the short-term rental space. So tons and tons of tips and resources on how to profitably run that, whether it's your side hustle or you want to turn it into your full-time business. They have great experience in real estate and design and hospitality. And we're doing a podcast swap. So I'm going to be on their podcast. They'll be on mine. And we recently recorded the episode for their podcast. And then we were just kind of like chatting off air afterwards. And I mentioned that I was thinking about doing this income report. And they were like, oh my God, you have to do it. Like there are not enough women in the online business space sharing hard numbers. Like bros and bro marketing do it. And it's helpful to hear their numbers. But like, I want to hear from other female entrepreneurs. How are you running your business? How many hours a week are you working? Like 
where are you spending your money and your expenses? And I was like, okay, this is hyping me up. This is great. I'm going to do it. And I did say like, I am a little bit nervous because I'm kind of afraid that some people are going to be like, oh, you're bragging. Sarah and Annette, they were so sweet and and also just ballsy. And, and they were like, you know what, Elise? Some people are going to say that and that is okay. And I was like, damn, that is so good and so correct. It was exactly what I needed to hear. And I realized that this episode is not meant to serve people with that kind of attitude. This episode is meant to serve women who are hustlers, go-getters, whether it's in their entrepreneurial journey, in their own business, in their side hustle, or in their corporate jobs. And again, I'm leading by example here because like, I see online businesses and some female entrepreneurs sharing the breakdown of their, their profit and their numbers. I'll be honest, I can't find a single blogger that has done that. So I'm excited. I'm nervous. But I really feel like if I had this type of episode to listen to a few years ago, like I would have learned some really important nuggets. And if anything, again, I just want to encourage women to not be so shy about talking about the black and white numbers and being transparent about money, especially in moments where it's with a close friend or colleague or where you're meant to talk about money. So with that said, are you ready for this? Drum roll, please. Oh my God, that was so cheesy. All right. What the Fab Media's revenue from 2021 was $300,362. Wow. I need to like take a beat saying that out loud. It's wild for me. And here's the thing, like it's all relative. I know plenty of women who are making multi seven figures from their online businesses. And I also was looking back at my business numbers from years ago, 2013, 2014, where I was making like a few thousand dollars. So we're going to go into the history and breakdown as well a little bit later in the episode for some context, but that is the overall number from 2021. So I'm going to break it down with you and talk about my different revenue streams and kind of percentages that I'm seeing from last year and then how that's kind of shifting my business and what I want to change for 2022 because I do want to change some of those percentages pretty significantly. I also want to note that number and the way that I kind of calculating that not all of it is based on the date that something was paid. I'm basing it on the date that a contract was signed. I'll explain why I'm doing that, but that means if I signed a contract in January of 2021, that doesn't necessarily mean that all of it got paid in 2021. So for example, if I had a year-long campaign with a brand, every brand has different payment terms. I always, if it's a longer-term contract, I try to negotiate half deposit upfront and half paid once all the work is delivered. So if I have a year-long campaign that I sign in January, I'm getting half up front and I'm not getting the other half until 2022. And it's different for every brand. So that's why I'm basing it to like have some consistency. I'm basing it on contracts signed, like deals in 2021. And some of that payment is going to spill into 2022. Similarly, I'm not counting deals that were inked in 2020, but ended up being paid in 2021. I just do that for my own kind of math and tracking for my business on a monthly and quarterly basis because then I have an understanding of, ooh, like I need to like go out and pitch some brands because I'm not hitting my targets for like new signed deals. Obviously, when I file my taxes, that is based on the payment dates. So the number when I file my taxes, when my accountant helps me file my taxes, looks a little bit different than that, but I just wanted to kind of explain for context. This episode is brought to you by HitSchool. Okay, so HitSchool didn't pay for a sponsorship on my podcast, but they just launched a great referral program that I had to share with you because they're my go-to for my at-home workout routine. And some of my readers have been asking how I've been staying fit during COVID. This is it. I've been working out with Hit School for four years now. The first few years were actually in person with the trainers when I was at Google because they did a lot of corporate workout programs. And last year at the start of this pandemic, they created a virtual program. So you work out with them over Google Hangouts in a small group setting and the workouts kick your butt. I am always so sore afterwards. All you need are a pair of dumbbells and you're good to go. Your trainer gives you personalized feedback because they see you on camera. So they make sure you're 
form is on point and they nicely call you out if you're slacking off, which I definitely need because it really pushes me. And the other thing is the accountability factor. If I am paying for these classes and my trainer knows if I show up or not, I do not miss a class versus if I tell myself, okay, yeah, I'm going to do a YouTube workout video on my own later today. Half the time I end up skipping. Okay. So here's the pricing breakdown. One semester is eight weeks long and costs $270. But if I refer you, you get 50 bucks off, bringing it to 220. Now you get two classes a week with your trainer. So that's 16 classes, but then they also give you access to all of these other additional live classes throughout the week. So personally, I do an abs and butt class with them. I do a strength training class and then my regular two days a week with my trainer. So that's 32 classes that I'm taking advantage of in a semester. And if you wanted to do even more, you could, but let's just say you're doing four workouts a week like me, that comes out to less than $7 a class. That is a freaking steal. Oh, you should also know that anyone else in your household can join you for your workouts for free. They don't have to pay for their own membership. So Omid works out with me for all of the workout classes. It's so much fun to have a workout buddy. And if you do the math between the two of us, I mean, it is just such a good deal. When I think about what I used to pay for Barry's classes, they're like $30 a class. Like my God. Anyways, if you want to sign up with Hit School and kick off your new year right, shoot me an email so I can refer you and you'll get $50 off. Full transparency, I get $50 off too. So it's a win-win for both of us. Email me at Elise, E-L-I-S-E, at whatthefab.com. Use Hit School in the subject line and I will help you get all signed up. Maybe we'll even work out together. If you want to take a look at their website to learn more about the program, it's hitschool.com. Hit is spelled H-I-I-T because it stands for high intensity interval training. So it's hitschool.com and don't forget to shoot me an email so you can get that 50 bucks off. All right, let's get back to the show. So let's get into the breakdown of my different revenue streams. So the different revenue streams I have, I think if you take a look at my business and my content, it's probably pretty obvious what the main revenue stream is, and that is sponsored brand campaigns. So that's like my bread and butter, the largest percentage at 85% of my revenue coming from that. And then I have a couple of others that grew a ton in 2021 compared to 2020, and that I'm hoping to really continue growing for 2022. And that is affiliate links and Mediavine. Mediavine is the ads company that I work with that places ads on my website. And when I first started working with them and getting ads on my site several years ago, I just wasn't really sure if this was going to become a viable revenue stream for me. Like wasn't getting a ton of traffic. The minimum for Mediavine at the time when I joined was 25,000 sessions. Now it's 50,000 sessions. And it was like a few thousand dollars extra a year, $10,000 extra a year. Like, you know, that's great, but it's not something I'm really making a living off of. And last year, my traffic really, really grew. So now I'm hitting about 120,000 page views a month. And my revenue from Mediavine last year was about $21,000. That is pretty much money that I'm making while I sleep. Like that is a recurring revenue stream that I really want to grow because that's the dream to be making money while you're sleeping. And affiliate links are also tied to that because my affiliate link revenue also really grew last year. And that again is because I was getting more targeted traffic to my website through SEO. And so because I saw such a large increase in traffic, I basically doubled it. I think towards the end of 2020, getting around 50,000 hits a month. And then in 2021 started hitting 100K consistently, which was very exciting. Because I was growing that traffic, it's like a double dip. My affiliate links and my Mediavine ads revenue really jumped up. So that's why I'm so obsessed with SEO because it just gets you the targeted traffic. If I have a post that's about the best espresso machines and somebody Googles best espresso machines and they land on my post, they're like very likely they're primed to buy. They're just looking for a review and some guidance and like help picking out which one is the best one for them. So I'm making that ads revenue from them viewing that site or from that post, but then they're also clicking around on my affiliate links and probably buying 
something. So then I get a small percentage as a kickback, which by the way, if you're a blogger and making money while you sleep and recurring revenue streams from your traffic on your blog sounds like heaven to you and you want to learn SEO, I promise you SEO is not hard. It sounds confusing and overwhelming and scary, but actually if you have someone just like hold your hand and walk you through it and basically give you a checklist of all the little things that you need to do to optimize your site in a post, it's really, really easy. And then it becomes second nature. Then you start ranking on the first page of Google for all these different search terms and just bringing in revenue. So this is why I'm launching an SEO course. So if you're interested in learning all of my tips and tricks and making money while you sleep, you can sign up for the waitlist. It's going to be launching officially in the spring and you can find the waitlist at whatthefab.com slash waitlist. So affiliate links was a little over 18,000. Mediavine was 21,000. So all combined, that was 39,000 from my website, from affiliate links and Mediavine. That feels really significant to me, especially if you compare it to previous years. Like I was not making that kind of money on my affiliate links and Mediavine. So to make that kind of jump, I think I probably doubled or more than doubled, actually, definitely more than doubled my revenue from those two streams. To do that over the course of one year, I'm like, okay, great. Let's double it again. Like, let's get it to 80,000 this year. Let's get it to each being its own six-figure stream by the end of 2023. Obviously, there's a lot of potential there because it's such a fast-growing revenue stream for me right now. So affiliate links, last year, it was only 6% of my revenue. Mediavine was about seven. And so my goal is to kind of shift and cut back on the amount of sponsored content that I'm doing and to really grow the percentage of revenue that's coming from Mediavine and affiliate links. And the reason for that being shooting sponsored content is exhausting. Like It is a main driver of revenue for my business right now, but I knew at the beginning of 2021 that I was starting to get burnt out on shooting so much content. And this was where the mastermind group that I was a part of was really, really helpful because it helped me think about my priorities and where I wanted to be growing my business, I was able to make some intentional decisions of like, okay, I am going to raise my rates, number one, for sponsored content. And I'm not going to do campaigns for less than $1,500. Like it's just not worth my time. And even that rate, like that's only for brands that I've worked with for years that are super sweet and easy to work with because everyone is different. Some people at agencies or brands that are really, really difficult and that number of what it's worth for me to work with them goes up accordingly. So I made that decision and like making that decision was scary. I felt like I was going to lose out on revenue, but what ended up happening was I just charged a much higher rate, shot less campaigns and made more money. So for context in 2019, when I left Google, I left at the very beginning of the year in January, I made 200K from my business. And then in 2020, I made the same amount, 200K. And then 2021 hit the 300K milestone. I did that by shooting less brand campaigns, but charging more and by supplementing and growing my revenue from the traffic on my website from affiliate links and Mediavine. So I want to make that shift even more and be really intentional about it because I like making money while I sleep. That's why I'm really focused on SEO for my website and growing those recurring revenue streams and starting to scale back a bit on the brand partnership. I love working with brands. There are some brands that I'm like, I will work with you until the day that I drop dead because I freaking love your product. You're kind. I love working with you. My audience loves your product too. Like it just makes sense. But to have more flexibility to be able to actually take a vacation and not feel like I have to constantly be monitoring my inbox because I might miss out on a brand deal. That's more of like the vibe and the flexibility that I am striving towards. Now, I did have a few other very small revenue streams last year, but one of them was speaking gigs. I had never been paid to speak before. I had spoken at conferences and things like that in the past, but last year was the first time that I got a handful of paid speaking gigs. So I made just under $3,000 from that, which obviously is a drop in the bucket compared to my total revenue, but still it was like very exciting to get paid to speak. I also launched my What the Fab presets last year and made $2,000 from that launch. And the amount of time and energy that it took me to create the presets and the sales page 
page and the marketing. It's certainly like $2,000 certainly does not feel quote worth it. But I learned a lot from that experience. So like now I'm a pro at WooCommerce and using different templates. I also learned that I don't necessarily need to be the expert in that. Like next time I would definitely hire somebody to help me with those pieces. I think I was just really nervous about the fact that this was my first digital product and I wanted to make sure that everything was perfect and I knew how everything worked and I didn't necessarily want to invest in paying someone for setting up this product if I wasn't even sure it was going to to make me any money. You know, I didn't want to like operate at a loss from it. That was the presets. And then I also have a category that is just like miscellaneous. That category was 2,500. And so that would be things like Instagram's real bonuses or live bonuses. So they were doing this thing last year and it's still going on now where you can get paid and get bonuses for like posting Instagram reels. And they also for a little while were doing like go live on Instagram X amount of times and you'll get a thousand dollars or whatever it was. It wasn't a ton of money, especially when they move to the reels bonuses. That could also be, I don't really do consulting anymore, but occasionally I will get brands that reach out and they're like, hey, can we pick your brain for an hour about this product that we're creating for for content creators and we'll pay you for your time. By the way, if you are ever in that position where you are reaching out to someone, like as a business, reaching out to someone for their knowledge and to pick their brain, always offer them money. Like if you value their opinion that much, you need to be giving them something. Like, why would I give you all of my knowledge that I've spent the last decade building up about influencer marketing for free and like out of the goodness of my heart if I don't even know you? It's very strange to me. So that's what that category is. Hold up. I have to tell you about my new What The Fab presets. I finally launched digital product and let me tell you, it was a lot harder than I expected it to be, but I am so excited that they're live. They're available. You can shop them on the website. You can just go to whatthefab.com slash presets to see them in all their freaking glory. (laughs) These presets are something that I have been refining and tweaking over the years. And after almost a decade of being a travel blogger and lifestyle blogger, I'm finally making them available to you to purchase and to use on your own photos. So whether you are a full-time content creator or this is your side hustle or you just want beautiful aesthetic photos for your feed, I'd love for you to check them out. Presets are honestly a game changer. Using Lightroom presets has really optimized how I'm able to edit my photos. It makes everything cohesive and beautiful and branded so that when you see one of my pictures on Instagram or Pinterest, you know that it's coming from what the fab. And you can have that kind of brand cohesiveness too by using the presets and tweaking them for your own skin tone and style. They also have saved me hours upon hours of editing photos. I mean, it used to take me half a day to go through, you know, hundreds of photos from a shoot. Now I can just do it within one or two clicks. And then if I'm using desktop, batch sync it across all of the photos. It's amazing. Like I said, game changer. And these presets are, they're light and airy and will make your photos look beautiful, whether you're shooting on an iPhone or in the raw on DSLR. I've got the mobile pack. I've got the the desktop pack. So there's something for everyone. If you want to edit just on the go, the mobile pack is a great option and you can use Lightroom Mobile. The app is free. So that's a really great option for someone who's doing this as a side hustle or a beginner. And then if you are building a brand, um, maybe this is your full-time thing, you'll probably want both the mobile and the desktop versions because then you'll be able to edit on the go on the app, but then also really like sit down in front of your computer, do that back editing I was talking about and just have that really cohesive vibe across all of your photos. So I hope you'll check them out. And I'm so excited I have a little gift for you. So you can get one of my mobile presets for free. Just go to whatthefab.com slash free and you can get my world traveler mobile preset for free and you can use it on the Adobe Lightroom app on your phone. And the World Traveler preset, I've used it on every type of photo imaginable. It's light and airy and beautiful and just makes you look glowy. I've used it on selfies, date night pics, home decor, food, um, my friends' kids, and of course, my jet setting travel pics. So I know that you will love it. Again, go to whatthefab.com slash free to grab that free preset for yourself. Enjoy it. Love it. Use it. I can't wait to see what kinds of photos you create with it and be sure to use hashtag WTFab 
add presets so I can see and share all my stories. All right, let's get back to the episode. All right. So that was what the Fab's gross revenue for 2021. I am super proud of that number. And sometimes it honestly feels like a dream that I am running this business and running it so profitably. I remember I was so nervous to leave Google. I was like, I'm going to be taking a huge pay cut. I remember one day before putting in my notice, I looked Omi dead in the eyes and I said, what if I make zero dollars? And he just laughed and he was like, honey, you're already making like 60 or 70 from your business as your side hustle, working nights and weekends. When you focus all of your energy on a full-time basis, like who knows what you can accomplish. And he's always been just such a big supporter and cheerleader for me. By the way, that reminds me of another reason that I wanted to record this episode. I, over the years, have had several people, friends, acquaintances, ask me this question that kind of makes me laugh. I'm always a little bit surprised, but I've had people be like, oh, so you're blogging full-time, but do you actually make money from that? And I'm like, LOL. Like, what industry is that kosher to ask somebody, do you actually make money from it? Or like, are you just a housewife, like shooting pretty pictures of yourself? And I'm always like, so there's that. People are like, what? Really? Like, I remember one time we had a contractor over. He was doing some work on our house. He was a nice older man, but like obviously a bit sexist. And he asked me in the most condescending tone if I worked. And I was like, uh, honey, who do you think put together the timeline and the budget for you to be here working on this house like it me and also you didn't think to ask my husband do you work so I was a little irritated by that anyways the next thing I want to talk about because I think it's really important for context is my total business expenses for 2021 and I think this is really important because you can have a million dollar business but be spending 900k in expenses and Facebook ads and team members and what have you but I would rather have a business that's bringing in $200,000 and only costing me $50,000 in expenses. My net profits are higher. And also I guarantee you my peace is going to be higher and more substantial as well because a business that's requiring that kind of expense of 900K just to make 100K in, in net profits, that is going to be requiring so much more time, energy, and being chained to your laptop than something that is a business that has more ease and is only costing you 50k to run and netting you 150k. So I think it's really important to also be like keeping an eye out for that when you see it on social too. Somebody could say they made a half a million dollars, but you don't even know if they were profitable or how profitable they were. So I think it's important to talk about expenses too. So my business's total expenses for 2021 was $69,376. So just under $70. So the biggest chunk of that was contract labor. That came out to just over $53,000. And 2021 was a really big year of growth for me and in terms of hiring support and team members. I do not have any full-time employees. Everyone that I work with is a contractor and I like it that way. It keeps things clean. It's not as messy in terms of payroll and taxes. It also keeps it clean when I... I, because this was my first time hiring so much support, when things didn't work out, I could cut ties really easily because that did happen. I could do a whole episode about hiring and firing, but I'll talk briefly about it in a minute and some of the lessons learned from that. But so that was the biggest chunk of expenses for last year. And so within that contract labor, there was a virtual assistant, content manager. I hired a publicist for the first time, a Facebook ads manager to help with ads for presets. She worked with me for a couple of months and a freelance writer. We worked together on and off just kind of like depending on how income was looking month over month and if I needed a little bit of additional writing support. And then another role that I hired for last year that is a business expense was a personal assistant slash house manager. I know that some people are going to feel a certain type of way about me hiring a personal assistant. I know this because when I 
I shared some job postings for it, I got some flack for it. So let me tell you what my house manager and personal assistant does. She is incredible and she comes over once a week and goes through a list of things that I need help with. Usually that includes laundry, putting away the laundry that might have been hanging up to dry from last week, running the Roomba in certain rooms. So she's not like actively having to vacuum, but she's just kind of like letting it do its thing, watering plants, doing any like returns or exchanges for me, going to my PO box and picking up packages. It's usually things from brands that I'm shooting and cooking. So she'll cook like one or two large meals. And then Omid and I don't have to cook during the week. We really like cooking. We're just, we both run our own businesses. So we're both strapped for time. And it's really helpful during the week to not have to worry about cooking, to have something healthy on hand we can enjoy. On the weekends, we can actually enjoy cooking together either outside in the backyard or in our kitchen and have a glass of wine. So anyways, when I posted about this role, I shared it on Craigslist and Nextdoor. I had somebody from Craigslist send me a very nasty email about how this is the real world and I will never find somebody that can do all of those things in one day and I need to wake up and accept that this is the real world. And I was just like, okay, damn, I wish I had the free time to like email random people who post on Craigslist whose postings offend me, but I don't, which is why I need a house manager. And then I also had someone comment on my post on Nextdoor, which if you're on Nextdoor, you'll know that people on Nextdoor are just there to like get bothered. But this one woman commented on it and was like, what is this? Some job posting for some wealthy exec? And I wrote back, yes, I am the wealthy exec. But like, I get it. I understand why seeing a job posting like that is triggering for some people because I think everybody would love to have a personal assistant slash house manager, but obviously not everyone can afford it. For some people, that's like really upsetting to see that and be like, I can't afford that, but you can. And this isn't something that I think is ever in the cards for me. It's not an abundant mindset. It's a lack mentality. And honestly, it's a loser mentality. And I know that sounds so harsh and so mean, but it just is. And I see shit on social media all the time that I can't afford. And my first instinct is to feel like, oh my gosh, they were able to spend that amount of money on this. Like I could never afford that. I'll never be able to afford that. I want that, but I can't have that. Or, oh, she got this opportunity to work with this brand, but I didn't. Or she's getting flown around the world for this brand campaign. Why can't that be me? That's a loser mentality. And I have to shift my mindset to be like, okay, I see this person doing this thing and I am feeling that envy. Like that's obviously something that I want. And while that's maybe not something that I could reasonably afford right now, who's to say that I can't afford that in the future? Who's to say that I can't work my ass off and be super smart and strategic with my revenue streams and be able to afford that? I used to sit in my tiny apartment that was 650 square feet in San Francisco and see all these bloggers with these beautiful houses in Salt Lake City and Atlanta and much cheaper areas to live than California and feel like, oh my gosh, I'll never have a beautiful house like that. I will never be able to afford it. I mean, it took us a while, but we just kept working towards that goal and finally were able to meet that. And the same thing when I feel envy over seeing other bloggers get certain opportunities or huge campaigns that I didn't get selected for, I have to check myself and remind myself, you know what, this is actually a really good thing because number one, it's an incredible opportunity that this industry even has. And number two, like why the fuck not me in the future? If I want it, I can work for it and I can get it and I can keep that in mind as a goal. If she is capable of doing it, so am I rather than why her, why not me? And I'm not trying to pull a Rachel Hollis here and act like I haven't led a privileged life. 100%. I grew up in a mid upper class family. I didn't have any student loans or debt. I am a woman of color, but I don't face the same challenges and adversities that a black woman trying to climb the corporate ladder or run her own business has to face when proving herself. That's absolutely true. But I also will be frank and just let you know that I looked at the profiles of some of the women that were so, so triggered on Nextdoor and they were a bunch of Karens. So I'm just going to put that out there. Anyways, that was just something that I really noticed when I shared that job posting that I was like, wow, I did not expect people to be so triggered by this. And the more that I talk with other successful female entrepreneurs, the more that I realize that this shouldn't be like a weird, shameful thing to ask for help in your household. I don't know about you, but I've been noticing a lot of conversation on social media lately about how the 40-hour work week is fucked. Like if you think it feels impossible to work a full-time job, cook and clean, maintain relationships, 
relationships with your partner, with your friends, with your family, work on yourself, like have some self-care moments, some hobbies, take care of your kids. If you have kids, like if all of that feels impossible to you, it's because it is. The 40-hour work week was, it's outdated. It was designed during a time when people could survive and live on a single income from typically the man. And there was somebody at home to always be taking care of the cooking, the cleaning, the household errands, and the kids. And that's just obviously not how it is anymore. I mean, when you think about your work week, I know most of us are still working from home. Some of us are starting to commute again, but let's say you're going into the office from the moment that you wake up and get ready and head to the office, you're working, and then you get home and it's probably around like 6 p.m. And let's say you're trying to get a healthy amount of sleep and you want to be in bed by 10 or 11. That gives you four or five hours during the part of your day when you are the most exhausted because you've been using your brain all day and working. It gives you four or five hours to do all of those other things. Take care of your home, pick up after yourself, cook, clean, take care of any kids, work out, take a freaking shower, do something social with friends or family, like spend time with your partner. It's archaic. And actually that brings me to another point. Last year, I started doing a four-day work week. So if you are wondering, okay, Elise, you made 300K in your business last year, but were you working 80 hours a week? I was not. I was working, I would say 32 to 35 hours a week. And so I really tried to like knock off work around five or six, not work nights and weekends and take Fridays off. I think I took probably most Fridays off last year. I definitely didn't do as good at doing that and staying consistent when I was launching the presets because I just felt so slammed. But this year I'm making it a goal every Friday off. Like I said, I think the 40 hour work week is archaic and bullshit. And the other thing that I have done is to hire a house manager. So she comes over for like six to eight hours, buzzes around the house, gets a ton done for us. I mean, think about it. That's like an entire work day of time that I have saved myself by having her help and support. And it has been a game changer. Like I really feel like whether you are an entrepreneur or you are a busy working mom, consider how much your time is worth and giving yourself some time back. I'm realizing through conversations that several of my successful female entrepreneur friends also have hired personal assistants, house managers. And I just think it's important to share that and not act like I'm a one woman show doing it all on my own because it's not fucking possible. It's not possible to do all the things all yourself. So that's the house manager, personal assistant role. Again, it's been a game changer. And then I also have to like really, really shout out Anissa, who is what the Fab's content manager. So so she was my intern for a couple of years. She went to Davis. And by the way, I pay my interns, like pay your interns, people. I think now it is like you have to in California pay your interns, but I think that's a recent thing. Like for years, I mean, all my internships when I was in college were unpaid and it's just like, it's free labor and it's unethical. And also if you pay your intern, you're going to get just higher quality people that are going to stick with you for longer. And you might even end up hiring in a larger capacity like I did with Anissa. Again, I have to give credit to the mastermind group that I was part of last year because we did some really enlightening exercises that helped me realize how much my time was worth, where I needed support, and that it made sense for me to hire someone in a greater capacity to just help with all the content. Like Her title is content manager, but she does so much. She helps produce the podcast and all the graphics that go with it, getting it pushed live on the website on all the different streaming platforms. She writes blog content. She edits videos. Like if you see a reel on my feed, Anissa probably edited it. I'm sure I'm forgetting like 20 other things that she does. I mean, she really is there to just roll up her sleeves and dive in and can just help me out with anything and everything. And when I look at my business and I think back to when I was more of a one woman show and how things have shifted so much and what I'm doing now, it really has freed up my time. Like I'm still super busy. I still work a lot, but it has freed up my time to focus on other things like launching the pre 
presets or launching my SEO course. Those are things that I just would not have had time to do previously because I was so busy just like trying to maintain the sponsored content and the blog posts and there really wasn't much time for much else. Podcast is another example. Like that would be really, really tough to do without her help. So shout out to Anissa. So getting back to expenses, like I said, the biggest chunk was contract labor, which makes sense investing in my people. And then I spent $10,000 on software and that is going to include a lot of different things that are necessary to run my business. So like it used to be G Suite. Now it's like Google Workspace or Place or something. I don't know, but like what Google Apps used to be, that's what my business is run on. QuickBooks, Adobe, platforms like Keystone search that I use for researching keywords, Flowdesk that I use for my email newsletter, Dropbox, Canva, Performance Foundry, which um, actually they are no more now. It's I've switched over to Agathon because Performance Foundry didn't make it through the pandemic. But yeah, those are kind of like the main tech things and software that I use to run my business. And then there are other like miscellaneous things that round out that $69,000 number. So like I have a PO box, I have to pay for that physical products and props that I use for shoots. When I take a look at my expenses, oh, the other thing I want to mention for expenses, I am not including travel as a business expense in this analysis because while I do write off travel when my accountant and I do my taxes, because it is such a big part of my business, I don't necessarily, like when I'm thinking about my total profits, I don't take my travel expenses out because even if I wasn't running my own business, I would be traveling anyways. Just a caveat there. So my net profit from 2021 was $230,986. That is a 77% profit margin, which is pretty wild to me. So for context, the average net profit margin in the advertising industry, kind of consider myself to be in, I know I'm in a, a weird industry, but that is 3.1%. And that stat is from the NYU Stern School of Business. So obviously for an advertising agency with an office, and employees, they're going to have a much larger, or sorry, a much lower profit margin, but 3% is crazy to me. So I did some more research and for online retail businesses, 45% is considered a good profit margin. And that data came from Shopify. So I'm feeling really good about that profit margin. And obviously I try to keep my expenses low. That was the most I have ever spent in business expenses, but it correlated with a higher net profit. So that was really exciting to to see. And I was also going over, I have, you know, just like a very simple spreadsheet that I have used over the years. I now supplement it with QuickBooks. But when I was first starting out, I just kind of tracked things in a spreadsheet and I was looking at it and I made my first profit from the blog in 2013. I made $4,632 in 2013. And then it just grew and grew. 2014, it jumped up to 16,000. 2015, Let's see, we jumped up to 20,000. So grew and grew and grew until I calculated it up because I was just curious. And I thought maybe you might be too. But over the course of like since What the Fab launched, my business has brought in $926,246 in revenue. So that's 73K short of a million. My business this year will for sure hit that million dollars in revenue mark, which is really freaking exciting. And I know that only only 2% of female founders ever hit that milestone. Now it took me since 2013, but still I am absolutely celebrating that and I think it's a big deal. So to close things out, I want to talk a little bit about what I think has contributed to that growth because obviously going from, what was it, $4,000 in 2013 to 300K in 2021 is a really big jump, even though it did take a while, like it took many years. But the first thing is that the influencer marketing landscape has just grown so much. Like when I first started my blog in 2012, there were not very many businesses that worked with influencers. And now there are whole agencies like marketing agencies that their entire business is built on influencer marketing and brands have specific budgets for influencer marketing. I just saw a stat the other day that the ads budget for influencer marketing specifically is just continuing to grow because it works. So that has obviously contributed to my 
my business being able to be successful because there's money to be had there. The other thing that has helped with this growth is really like I kind of mentioned this earlier, but honing in on what is worth my time and like committing to that. And I've tried a lot of different things. Like if you look through my little spreadsheet with all the different ways that I have made money over the years, there's been a lot of different ways. Like I've done consulting, social media management, I've done events. And while ultimately I decided that those pieces were not where I wanted to be growing my business, I learned things along the way from that. Now I'm working on other areas, like I mentioned earlier, increasing my website traffic so my recurring revenue streams continue to grow and turn me a profit without me having to work about them. Launching digital products. I'm still working on getting the presets to like bring in more of a revenue. I'm toying with more Facebook ads there and also launching my SEO course in the spring. So right now I have a fabulous group of beta students that have signed up for the course and they're going through it with me and they are giving me some really great feedback so that I can bundle it all up together, put a bow on it and get it all loaded up and ready to be sold. And so that is going to launch in the spring. If you're interested, interested in taking the course, you can go to whatthefab.com slash waitlist. Again, SEO is really like how I have built these recurring revenue streams that make me money without me having to do anything. Like I write the post once and years later, it continues to create profit for me. So I see the, the SEO course as potentially becoming another significant revenue stream for me in the future. And then lastly, hiring support. Like I said, I could do a whole separate episode on hiring with which if that's of interest, I'm happy to. But I heard something recently from a business coach. She said that as long as you are running a business, you will be hiring and firing. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. And it actually makes me feel a little bit better because hiring and finding the right talent is hard. This year with like growing my support team, there were definitely a couple people that, a few people that I tried that were just not the right fit. And when you're super tiny like me and you just have like a few support members whether they're contractors or full-time, when somebody comes in that's just not the right vibe or energy or isn't flowing right, it really messes things up. And so I tried like this one VA agency that, oh my God, it was a mess. Like it was horrible. So like cut ties with them as soon as I could. I tried a bookkeeper earlier in the year who was just so damn slow and couldn't understand why I was frustrated that invoices needed to be sent out in a timely manner. You know, it's a learning experience. And now that I'm starting to get the proper team in place and feel that support, it is just, it's like a game changer. Like it really does free up my time and my mental capacity to work on other parts of the business that bring in more revenue. So that's it, you guys. That is my 2021 income report for What The Fab Media. I hope that this episode was interesting for you all. I hope you got some insights. And if it was helpful, I'm considering doing these income reports quarterly and kind of honing in on lessons learned from each quarter. So let me know, slide in my DMs, tell me if that's something you'd be interested in and I will do that. So thank you for listening to this episode. I would so appreciate it if you would share it because like I said, I am super passionate about getting women to feel comfortable talking about numbers and money so they can make more money. So I think it's important to share this conversation with other women to help encourage that. So snap a screenshot of the episode, share it on your stories, tag me. I'm at WTFab. Like I said, hit me up in my DMs. I would love to hear what you think and have a conversation there as well. And then lastly, if you have not rated and reviewed the podcast yet on Apple Podcasts, I would love it if you could do that too, because that is what helps me grow and keeps me going. I read all of them and I get really excited when there's a new one. So I would appreciate that. And I will see you next week with a fresh episode. Bye. (laughs) 